Blog Talk Radio. Living our daily fantasy life with the Motown Mauler. Mauler, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. How are you doing today, Todd? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. I'm uh, I'm actually doing okay in my one. Uh, I did a dollar FanDuel lineup today for the early slate, and I picked Price. And looks like Valbuena just, uh, you know, who was my lowest price guy, just got nine points. So that's not too bad. I don't have any of the big guys on offense so far, but uh, I still have my whole Mets stack to go with Duda, Granderson, Conforto, and Cespedes, and I got 78 points already. Yeah, the scoring on there, I'm not accustomed to now with the changes, but um, I saw a pitcher get 60 the other day where he only had 25 on DraftKings, so getting a little crazy it used to be lower scoring on FanDuel but now it's a bit higher yeah um, that's one of the questions I actually have so we'll get to that so what we're going to do is we're going to do a little bit of an interview with the mauler today we weren't planning on doing a lineup uh, our normal lineup but now uh, we are going to do a live lineup as well at the end of the show so um, it's going to be jam-packed we've got an hour scheduled so we should be able to get everything. And the Mauler, for those who don't know him, you can follow him on Twitter at Motown Mauler. And he's got some other way you can get him to Jay Bach or, you know, whatever. Um, I'm Todd from PA, T-O-D-F-R-O-M-P-A, uh, Todd with one D. And you can find me on Twitter. If you say hello and tell me you heard the podcast, I will absolutely follow you back and put up with any crap you want to throw my way. So, Mauler, um, you are kind of a dominator when it comes to Major League Baseball, and so I thought it would be really great for those who have listened to us in football and basketball to kind of pick your brain a little bit um, on your Major League uh, Baseball, the way you kind of go about uh, coming to your conclusions each day. So what's an average day for the mauler when there's baseball like? Well, the average day uh, is a little different than yesterday. Uh, we, I know we talked a little yesterday, and uh, I almost had a panic attack with the three postponements 
and the news coming out late for Boston Cleveland because I had uh, about a hundred lineups that I had to go switch because of the postponements and it got a little hectic because uh, I'm not one of those guys that uses computers or scripts or anything like that. I do all my lineups by hand and uh, it got a little hectic about two two fifteen yesterday when when the Boston Cleveland game got postponed and I had to go in and make switches to a hundred different teams. Yeah, but, that would have uh, drove me a little crazy. And I screwed up our one lineup by uh, not – I got everyone out of that game except Price, which uh, was a pretty – you know, probably the the main one we needed. And that lineup had ended up doing pretty well. Um, it's a shame we might have uh, cashed if we had uh, – if I had made that change. Well, and it uh... – it's too bad that we couldn't have prices points from today in that lineup, but no, the average day, you know, I get up in the morning and, and do my, my daily chores and errands. And then I, I sit down and I take a look at the slate for today. Uh, I always look for uh, pitchers and hitters in good situations. Whereas uh, we're looking at pitchers and hitters parks. Uh, we're looking at matchups. Um, are there any, are there any, is there anything that really sticks out or stands out? You know, when I'm going through the matchups at first glance, uh, is anybody on a pitch count, anything like that? So that's just kind of the first, uh, I guess you say, line of defense that I go through when, when studying. Gotcha. And what what stats, you know, so most people seem to start with pitchers and then work to hitters. Uh, what's your philosophy on pitchers? Do you kind of look at them first? And what criteria do you tend to use to say, all right, that's the picture that I'm really going to focus on? Well, it all depends on the slate and the pitchers that are available. Um, if it's a slate where there's two pitchers, I think that'll dominate. I'll just kind of stick with those guys and, and put them in most of my lineups. But if it's like today where I'm looking at, there's a lot of different pitchers to choose from. Nobody really stands out over the other I'll kind of make my lineups first, uh, my hitters first, and then I'll have a group of pitchers that I'm comfortable with, and then I'll pair them with the pricing of the money that I have left. Well, that makes a tremendous amount of sense. And, you know, I think that's a very good way to do it because I think any time in life where you say, this is the way that I do it, I absolutely pick my pitchers first. Um, you know, if if there's no one that jumps out at you with pitchers, it's more important to get the hitters who jump out at you and then fill in. Um, so I think that's pretty good. So once you do that, do you focus kind of on a cash versus GBP or what, what are kind of your next thoughts as it relates well, to building lineups? Well, I'm a, mostly a GPP player, but that's something that our listeners and the players out there have to figure out what their focus is on. Um, if their focus is on playing cash games, then they're looking for the safer type plays, uh, the pitchers with solid floors, but also, um, you know, good ceilings. Uh, for me personally, since I'm a GPP player, I'm looking for the biggest upside on, on most of my lineups. I will put in one cash game, maybe two cash game lineups the evening, but, uh, you know, I, I'm in baseball, I'm pretty comfortable with, with the lineups I put in each day, that's why, you know, you'll see me put in uh, anywhere between 50 and a hundred lineups each day. Yep. That's uh that's interesting. Do you have a favorite site, 
you know, let's say you're going to play 100 lineups in a day. Give us the breakdown on how many uh, would lineups would be on each site on an average. Well, I usually only play um, multiple lineups on DraftKings just for the simple fact that they have late swap. Um, I can go in and make changes if I see fit. Uh, like, for instance, Sonny Gray was a scra- scratch last night. They switched from um, him to a left-handed pitcher who I felt was a little weaker, so I pivoted off some guys and got some big right-handed bats that I thought might do well in there against the uh, left-handed substitute pitcher. So um, I, I really like DraftKings for that simple fact, and it was very evident yesterday because a lot of people got killed by FanDuel. Um, I saw a lot of dead teams on own the play because there was no late swap, and people had Kluber and David Price and hitters from Boston, Cleveland, and uh, even some hitters from the Yankee-Houston game, you know, where maybe they had to go to work and didn't hear the news and, you know, got stuck with guys that they shouldn't have had in there. So uh, I pretty much run my multiple lineups on DraftKings. Uh, I do play own the play a little bit, um, but uh, I'm going to start checking out some other sites. But it's just so time-consuming putting in that many lineups on DraftKings that I try try and leave my focus there. Well, that makes a lot of sense, especially because if you have a lot of swaps and you're trying to jump to three different sites, it could get really crazy and and hectic. Um, What do you think about uh, the uproar on FanDuel that kind of exploded the last two days about the new pricing where they don't have minuses and a lot of non unique lineups are ending up tied. Um, It seems uh, like they perhaps didn't think this out as good as they should have. Well, to be honest, I haven't played FanDuel since I had an issue with them um, when I was discussing late swap with them after uh, one of the NBA nights where Derek Rose was a scratch after lock. And, you know, I said, look, guys, I said, people like me and I know many others are, are having dead lineups that are losing four and five figures each night because there's no late swap. And they kind of dismissed it. And, you know, this is the way we do things, blah, blah, blah. So I said, well, I just won't play here anymore until you fix it because I'm not into losing, you know, thousands of dollars at a time because I'm not allowed to go in and change my lineup. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And, um, you know, it's it, it, there are strategies available with a, a fan duel to where you can take advantage of that, but there are going to be the nights where you've got a dead lineup, and it's, it's you know, I play small money. I mean, this is a hobby for me. You know, for you, you're trying to earn a living, and it's a big difference when you've got $10 going or $30 going versus three 400 and I could see why you would do that. Yeah, and like I said, it's more prevalent in basketball, but that's just the thing. Like, these guys know, especially late in the season in basketball, that we're going to have problems with late scratches and lineup changes and things like that. And it really, really costs them a lot of customers. I can see it from the social media. I can see it in the down numbers of the entrance in the tournaments because, you know, if it happens to you once, you might say, okay, uh, my fault, but if it happens multiple times, people are going to leave and go find uh, a place where, 
you know, they have late swap and it fits them better. And I, like I said, I've seen on Twitter and social media where people are saying, yeah, I'm not going to play at FanDuel anymore. I'll play at DraftKings because I don't like giving my money away. And another difference, though, is in NBA, if you have a guy scratched, you're done. Like, you can't win. Um, back how the old scoring was with FanDuel for baseball, you could have a guy that was scratched and actually come out positive because of the negatives for out strikeouts, um, caught stealing and things like that. But I'm not sure with the new scoring system, if that's going to be the case where if you can win with a guy with zero, but on DraftKings, that's still, you know, we had uh, a few years back, a buddy of me and mine, a buddy of mine split a team and we got caught with a late scratch of Matt Carpenter and he had a zero but we still finished third in the big GPP, even with that zero. So in baseball, it, you know, you can fight through it and, and still cash, but in basketball, you're, you're dead and you might as well go find something else to do for the evening. Yeah. Tell me about it. I've had a couple really bad uh, basketball nights in the last week. And most of the time it's one guy who, you know, a Bobby Portis or, um, just, you know, uh, I've got lineups that are all in the red and I got one guy in the blue and I don't cash and that third, or I'll cash for $6 on a $3 ticket when another 30 points might've been a hundred dollars. So, uh, it, it definitely basketball can be very frustrating. And I think for guys like me who work for a living, and do it, you know, have a full-time job. It's even more challenging because I really think basketball more than any other sport, you really have to stay on top of it. Yeah. You have to, you have to watch the games and keep up with the news until the lock of each game. So that means, you know, you make your lineups during the day, but you know, between the hours of probably five and ten oh five, you have to, to keep an eye on everything because you never know when there's going to be a late swap, when Popovich is going to set players, when other guys are, from other teams are going to rest. So um, it, late season NBA is very tough. And that's why I always look forward for uh, forward to baseball season starting because then I can get away from late season NBA. So um, back to, you know, your process a little bit. What are the key things you look for when picking pitching as it relates to stats? Well, I look for, of course, teams that are facing weak offenses. Um, that's always, you know, the biggest factor. If I, if I can find a, a top quality pitcher against a weak offense, I'm going to steer towards that guy. Uh, the second thing I look for is the, the ballpark. Um, if I can get a pitcher, a, a great pitcher in a good pitcher's ballpark, um, against a weak offense, that's a, a great, great hat hat trick to have there. And, uh, you know, I, I look into weather. Uh, weather plays a huge factor in baseball. If you, uh, if you keep an eye on weather and you see, you know, there's uh, uh, wind blowing in somewhere, you know that's going to be to the pitcher's favor. If there's wind blowing out, um, it's going to be a detriment to the pitcher. So those are the, the few things that I take into account when looking for my pitchers. Gotcha. So it's not necessarily a stat-based system where you're sitting there saying, here's the Sierra of this guy or K percentage of this guy. Um, or, or, or do you also look at those things? Well, you take those into consideration when, you know, looking at the matchup. Uh, you know, for instance, when I went over the pitching today, there was nobody that 
really stuck out to me that can go out and dominate a game and get 10 to 15 strikeouts. You know, there's some guys in there that, you know, have done it, will do it again. But, you know, there wasn't a Kershaw that uh, stuck out to me today. You know, like looking at the slate yesterday, you look at Kershaw against the Padres in a pitcher's ballpark, that was, you know, a a must play. Um, Just kind of like Baumgartner was, but the results weren't there for Mad Bomb, but he was facing one of the weakest offenses in baseball. Although Milwaukee is a hitter's park, you still felt comfortable at his price point to, to play him. And uh, similar similar with Max Scherzer. Now, I know he was the highest-priced guy on the early slate um, with the one with Kershaw not on it, but he was playing a, a Braves team that has a lot of youngsters, uh, looked like they could strike out a lot. Um, Freeman and Markakis were kind of the only veterans and the uh, never-aging A.J. Pruszynski as well. But uh, you just look for pitchers in good spots, um, pitchers that – are, are always going to have a good K rate. And, you know, you can just look at that by their season long stats. You know, those guys that are um, anywhere from 250 to 300 strikeouts, they're going to get their strikeouts. So, um, you know, those are always guys you kind of try and target uh, against uh, weaker teams. Gotcha. So um, when it comes to stacking, that is a very popular way to go when it comes to Major League Baseball. When it comes to GPPs, do you exclusively stack or do sometimes use just kind of best of lineups uh, where you pick the best player at each position? Well, I do it both ways. And then I also do game stacks uh, occasionally. Um, But usually I do team stacks. I pick out my top, you know, team stacks each day when I'm going through my reviews. And then I, I try and stack them multiple times because, Um, I learned early on a few years back that if you only stack the top part of the lineup, what happens if it's the bottom part of the lineup that helps go off for that lineup? And my first ever big win GPP was actually a Tiger stack, and I had Don Kelly and Alex Avila in that lineup. Well, those guys were hitting probably eighth and ninth. I can't remember, you know, right now. But, you know, the fact that I stacked them a few different times to make sure I touched on all the players – um, is something that I try to tell, you know, beginners and and even veterans that, you know, if you're going to stack a team once or twice, three, three or four times, make sure you touch all the players. Um, like, for instance, I, Colorado uh, did decent last night, but I saw a lot of Colorado stacks that didn't have Story, the shortstop, in the lineup. Well, he was hitting two, and, you know, if you're going to stack them once or twice, you might as well throw one out and put him in there because he had two home runs and if you miss that you know you're missing out on 40 points so that's one <laughs> that's, thing about that was the end of the story if you didn't have him and you're, and yeah, you're kicking I mean, yourself exactly. so and so i guess what i want to ask then is most of the experts i've listened to put a lot of value in picking guys and sometimes only exclusively pick guys at the top of the lineups, and statistically, that is the right thing to do. But if you're playing 10 Tigers stacks, um, how many of them will have guys from the bottom of the lineup? Well, that's the thing, and that's that's where it it starts to be a little contrarian, is sure, the guys are going to pick the the top lineups of the day, and there's going to be tons of them tonight with Arizona and San Francisco. But you got to touch on all the guys because – you know, there's no telling 
what guy's going to go off. And if you're the only one that has somebody that gets 30, 40 points, you're that much ahead of the game. So that's just one, you know, small intricacy that I, I believe in that if you're going to stack, you know, you make sure you touch on all the guys. And then, you know, once in a while, if I see a game where there's a couple weak pitchers uh, or, you know, uh, some mediocre pitchers in the hitter's ballpark or, you know, at Coors, like I always stack uh, both teams when when they're playing at Coors, no matter who's pitching, because uh, statistically that park gives up an extra run and a half per game compared to all the other ballparks. So, um yeah, a few times I'll do some game stacks, but then there's times where I, I need to throw in just the best players. Interesting. So um, another thing that's very important to a lot of people when it comes to baseball is Vegas lines. How much time do you spend on Vegas lines? Um, is it is it important to your process? Um, it is a little. But the funny thing is, is I've done it so long and I look at it so much every day that I can pretty much predict the Vegas line probably within a half run for each game. I think the the thing that I look at more is, you know, the total runs per team per game, which, you know, is basically the Vegas line broken down a little more. Um, and I think that's what helps me the most. I kind of, you know, use my own references first, but then if, if I'm looking for a little help, I'll look for those, uh, you know, to see who's supposed to score the most runs that day, who's supposed to give up the least runs. Because if I'm stuck between two pitchers, that's a good point of reference is to see, well, which one of these pitchers, uh, you know, does Vegas say is going to give up the lowest amount of runs? And it could be, you know, a point one difference, but, you know, that might sway me to that guy. Okay. Um, how important is home field to you? Um, it depends on the park. Again, I go back to, is it a hitter's ballpark? Is it a pitcher's ballpark? Um, I think those things are, are more important than, you know, the home field advantage per se. Um, but, you know, if, if I really like playing pitchers in San Diego, I really like playing hitters in Colorado and Arizona. So I think it's important to, you know, go back and, and study and look at, you know, the runs given up in each ballpark to figure out, you know, which parks are hitters parks, which parks are in the middle and which parks uh, are pitchers parks. Gotcha. So you've already mentioned a little bit about being contrarian in baseball, and you've given us a tremendous example of how you are contrarian. What are some other ways that you like to be contrarian? And do you spend as much time thinking about being contrarian for baseball as you do for perhaps, let's say, a football? Yeah, I still think it's important because, you know, uh, with the way I do it and I stack a lot, I, I try and, and and stack most of the teams. Uh, and uh, like I said, I have a buddy of mine that does this with me regularly and he kind of shine shine the light on it last year when, uh, when he stacked the Tigers against Kluber. And I was saying, dude, you're crazy. Kluber's amazing. And he's like, well, nobody's going to have them. They hit them well. And it, it kind of opened the door for me that, Hey, you know, once in a while you need to take a chance and 
you know, I'm not going to go out and stack teams against Kershaw every day, but, you know, if you see there that a team's in a good spot against a good pitcher, that's a great contrarian stack to take a chance with because not a lot of people are going to own them. Gotcha. All right. I like that one too. So, um, what's the most important advice you would give new players such as myself? Um, you know, as it relates to baseball and some of the differences between, say, baseball and the other sports? Well, first off, you have to decide if you're a cash game player or you're a GPP player um, because there's going to be a lot of difference in the lineups you're trying to create if you're a cash player versus a GPP player. In cash, you're going you're gonna to kind of look for the, the pitching more and then build your hitters behind it while – you know, trying to get hitters that are in good good situations near the top of the lineup because you always like to have those extra at bats because they're hitting at the top of the lineup. You know, I'd rather take a guy hitting two uh, than a guy hitting eight or nine just because he has the chance of getting an extra at bat. Um, so you know, those are the things. Uh, whereas GPP, it's more you, you're going to need a stack to win with all the different games of the night. You're going to have to um, really, really focus on on hitters that are going to get a lot of points that are in good situations and then just kind of fill your pitchers in uh, the same way that are in good spots that, you know, have high ceilings. All right. So uh, if you only had an hour or two a day to get ready for baseball, what, what do you think are the things that you would most look at and say, wow, you can be comfortable because that's one of the biggest issues I face is that I only have an hour or two a day to get ready. Um, I, I would first look at and see what offenses I think are in good positions that day. Um, you know, five minutes into my research today, I thought that San Francisco was in another good spot again and that Arizona is in another good spot again. So, you know, those are some offensive guys that I'm going to look at. And then you switch over and do the same for the pitching. You know, what what are some pitchers that are in good spots against weak offenses? Um, what are some good pitchers uh, in good spots against weak offenses in a pitcher's park? Um, are there any pitchers that are pitching today that face a team that strikes out a lot because, you know, strikeouts give you some extra points? Um, you know, and that's one thing I failed to mention earlier is, do your research, find out what teams strike out a lot, find out what teams uh, put the ball in play. And, you know, the huge debate in the daily fantasy baseball world is does better versus pitcher stats really exist? And I'm on the, I'm one of the guys that say, you know, absolutely, but only to an extent, you know, uh, Verlander isn't the same pitcher he was five years ago. So I don't really take into account past uh, performances against him. But in the same breath, uh, two or three years ago when Verlander was facing Kansas City, Billy Butler was in my lineup every night because Billy Butler absolutely owned Justin Verlander. So in that aspect, I think it's helpful. But, uh, you know, you have to be smart about it. I think it's more of looking uh, for matchups. Like uh, there's guys that right-handed guys that kill lefties, so you have to know that. Um, and vice versa, there's left-handed guys that kill righties. So, you know, just looking for those intricacies, uh, you know, you can do that in a short period of time. Awesome. That, that's great. 
So um, that pretty much wraps up um, my questions for you. This was kind of an intro into the mind of the mauler, and we took up about half the time. So let's do that thing that we like to do, which is the um, build a lineup. I'm ready. Um, I actually have it up on the 27. If you want to do it on my account today, uh, I no, I already paid and I got it. Uh, oh, so good. if you don't mind, no, it'd be, it'd be easier with yours anyway because I would have to sort through 50, 60 of my lineups to to find our one. So yeah, that 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 would kind of suck for me. Um, all right, so let's talk pitcher. Um, Throw out a couple names, uh, and you know, and and again, we're going to lean heavily towards your thoughts. Uh, but I'll 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 interject like I normally do, and let's see if I can have some, you know, some little bit of flavor on the lineup. Um, I think I've come up with a few things. So, uh, what pitchers have you been focusing on mostly today? Well, I mean, I do not love any pitcher today. So if I'm going to go out on a limb, I like Aaron Sanchez as a value. I like Michael Walker in the middle of the pack for the simple fact that he is playing against Pittsburgh in a pitcher's ballpark. Um, I don't like the fact that he's playing against a Pittsburgh offense, um, but they do strike out, you know, in the middle of the pack. Um, Scott Casimir is interesting to me. He doesn't strike out a lot of people, but San Diego is atrocious. I mean, they gave up 15 runs to the Dodgers last night and got shut out 15 to nothing. Um, it is a pitcher's ballpark. Casimir is somebody that they haven't seen a whole lot of because he's, you know, been mostly in the, the American League for his, his career. I mean, I know he spent some time in uh, in St. Louis, but I really like him in that spot against San Diego. And I guess my, my kind of sneaky sleeper pay play is Jose Quintana. Oakland is probably one of the best pitchers ballparks there is because their foul territory is about as big as a football field. I mean, I swear I see guys lose two to three at-bats a game because their foul territory is so large. So uh, he's another guy that I like up top. All right. So a couple guys that I'm going to throw out at you. The first one is Johnny, is it Cueto? C-U-E-T-O. He's making his first start for San Francisco against Milwaukee. We know how bad they are. Um, You know, he's a good pitcher, and I think he goes a little bit under the radar. His... um, his strikeout rate is good. His, um, you know, strikeouts per at bat for the comp, uh, the team he's playing is very high. Um, and their WOBA is only 223, uh, Milwaukee tonight. So I, I, I like, I, he was a guy that I liked. Uh, another guy was Justin Verlander. He might not be what he was, but at 8,700, uh, in a game at Miami, which is, that's not a that's a pitcher's ballpark, isn't it? Well, yeah, and you know you also get the fact that Verlander should get some extra strikeouts tonight because he has to face the pitcher a few times, 
And I always like that. You think about the National League and the difference between the pitchers between them and the American League is, you know, they get to face the pitcher a few times. And if the pitcher isn't in a position to bunt, um, you know, there's a pretty good chance that, you know, they could get a strikeout. And the guy that Verlander is facing tonight is an American League guy that hasn't hit, um, and I can't tell you when, because he came over, I think, from Japan. And, uh, you know, he's not, yeah, he's not a he's not a hitter. He played for Baltimore last year, so you know his only at bats came in 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 interleague play as well. And speaking on Cueto, uh, Milwaukee offense is pretty bad. Uh, they got a few runs off Baumgartner yesterday, but uh, you're absolutely right. He's he's in a good spot. Um, and and then he, I got one more one more sneaky guy, um, and God help me to try and say this, Hisashi. Iwakuma. Um, yep, you got it. You know, he is, you know, in, in looking at the Fantasy Lab stats, he's got one of the best whips. He's got a good, you know, good, not great strikeout. Um, and um, the team that he's playing against is is pretty good, and he's on the road. But he was a, he's my sneaky guy. And just going down the names that we mentioned, and you you mentioned wind direction earlier, Cueto, there is no wind. There's no no note here. Um, Kazmir, it's to the right. Uh, Verlander, the wind is in, which is a good thing. Uh, Michael Waka, the wind is out, which is a bad thing. Uh, Iwakuma to the right, uh, from the right. And I think... Did I get everyone that? Oh, Aaron Sanchez, there's no wind. So, Mauler, we've talked it over. I'm going to let you at least pick the one pitcher. We could always come back based on salary to the to the second one. Um, who's the guy that guy or guys? If you uh, after talking it over, uh, that you really like out of the list we gave. Well, I think you know. Let's let's go with Verlander to start with. Um, the only guys for Miami that really scare me are D. Gordon and Giancarlo Stanton. Um, what scares me is D. Gordon getting on base because he can wreak havoc. But Verlander has probably one of the, if not the best pickoff move in the game. Um, James McCann is one of the best defensive catchers in the game at a young age. So, uh with the wind blowing in in Miami, um, chance for a few extra strikeouts, and me being a Tigers fan on opening day, uh, I think we go with Verlander. All right, and and no nobody else really jumped off at you. Well, like I said, I really like the spot Scott Casimir's in. Um, the only thing is he doesn't strike out a lot of people, and um, I worry about him going deep into games. But you mentioning the wind blowing out and Pittsburgh takes me off him because Pittsburgh has a really solid lineup. Um, I think Cueto is going to be pumped to make his his Giants debut. Um, He's a National League pitcher. Um, He did go over to the Royals last year and win a World Series, but he's more comfortable in the National League. And I think uh, with a few extra strikeout opportunities against the pitcher and Milwaukee being a very weak offensive team, uh, I think uh, we're set up good with Cueto, if you don't mind. No, uh, I, I don't mind at all. 
Uh, honored that you would pick two of my suggestions and kind of reinforce my thinking since I'm still very, very new and raw at this. And the other thing I really like about Cueto is the fact that if you're telling me that San Francisco is one of the best two uh, teams to kind of target uh, for offense, well, that gives him that much more uh, ability to pick up those three points for a victory. It's not as dominant a, uh, a thing as it would be on FanDuel, but I do think that it is uh, pretty good to have a guy like that in your lineup uh, at, when when he has a good chance of winning. So um, we've never done this before, Mauler, so I, I kind of want to take your lead on this. Uh, where do you want to go next when it comes to position players? Well, let's just go right down the list, and we'll fill in, uh, you know, as we go. And if we need to teeter some stuff, we will. Good. All right. So we will start at the catcher position. Who are your catchers of choice today? Well, my my favorites are the top two, um, and that's Posey and Schwarber. I like Posey more because he hits in the top of the order. Schwarber's down at about six. Um, I mean, Milwaukee, they're, they're throwing Jimmy Nelson out there today. I think San Francisco could score a ton of runs. Um, so I like uh, I like Posey a lot. And then as you move down, if we're looking for value for our guys, uh, you know, out there that are listening that might be looking for value at the catcher position, I like James McCann. Uh, I mentioned him earlier, the Tiger catcher. He's facing the lefty in chin. He's only $3,000. And uh, if you move up a little bit um, in the price range, I like Yadi Molina against uh, uh, Jonathan Nice. Nice is um, pitching for a new team in Pittsburgh. Yadi Molina is just, you know, a veteran hitter. He, he doesn't have the power that he used to have. But, you know, if guys get on in front of him, he's going to get a lot of RBIs because he's such a veteran hitter. He hits the ball in play. Um, granted you and I are probably both faster than him, but you know, he's such a good Not me. hitter that <laughs> I don't know. He's pretty slow. Todd, well, but, I, I, uh, molasses gives me a run for its money at this point <laughs> at, at 3,300. If you're looking for value, I like Molina, but like I said, I'm a, I'm a Buster Posey guy today. And, uh, I think I like him more because of the, the, you know, game that they're in and, and the fact that he hits up higher in the order. All right. Well, on DraftKings, um, the uh, guy that is rated very highly where I'm looking um, is Beef Wellington Castillo. He's uh, batting fifth, and uh, Posey is very high up there. I don't have Posey in any of my lineups so far, so I kind of like the the idea of going Posey. Uh, but I would like to get your thoughts on uh, Beef Wellington. Oh, man, I'm glad you mentioned it because I missed him because I'm looking at the check marks right now, and he doesn't have a check mark yet. So the Arizona lineup's out somewhere else, but not obviously on uh, our DraftKings site. I love Wellington Castillo. He hits behind one of the best hitters in the game and Paul Goldschmidt. Um, he hit fourth last night. He's in a great spot against Colorado. So I'm I'm – grateful and thankful that you mentioned him so that we didn't miss him for our listeners. That is probably, um, you know, the second or third catcher I would recommend behind Posey and Schwarber today. All right. Well, 
Posey's 4,600, Wellington's 3,100. Who do we want, Mahler? Well, we can put uh, Wellington in there for now. And if, you know, we have extra money, we'll come back. But, I'm again, I'm I'm glad you, you saw that and picked him out because he's in a great spot. Awesome. Well, again, uh, why is he not showing up on my – oh, there he is. Uh, probably because I, I, I looked for the word beef and he didn't come up. All right, so we're <laughs> off the we're off to first base, and uh, you mentioned Paul Goldschmidt. He was kind of the guy that I've really been interested in today. Um, there's one other guy, um, Miguel Cabrera, that um, I- interested me, and then. Um, and the reason is, I think, because Goldschmidt let so many people down with his 0 for 5 last night, I think that he might end up with a little bit lower ownership than he probably deserves. And um, I'm going to let you take it from here. Yeah, I love both of those guys. Those are number one and two on my list. Um, Cabrera kills left-handed pitching. Well, I mean, Cabrera kills anyone. Um, he's just a consummate professional. He looks healthier this year, you know, than he did at the beginning of last year. And um, I don't need to look at the stats, but I, I'm pretty positive he's killed Chin throughout his career when Chin was with Baltimore. So I like him and Goldschmidt probably equally. And for our listeners that are looking for value, I really like sneaky plays of Logan Morrison down at 3,200. Um He's facing Aaron Sanchez, who's, you know, a younger guy, a little erratic. Morrison has been hitting in the two-hole, so he's a sneaky play if you are looking to spin down. And, um, you know, one guy that I would say if you're looking to spend up at all other positions day holy for seattle facing martin perez is only two thousand dollars um when you can find a guy that's two thousand dollars if he scores any points for you you're in a very good situation so he's at the minimum price on DraftKings. he's facing uh, perez in a, a decent hitters ballpark in texas so you know if you want to pump play at first base uh, Deho Lee is is the place to go down there at two thousand. Yeah, I think my wife might object to me going with a hoe. So um, I like the idea of sticking Morrison in there. Do you mind if we stick him in for now? No, stick him in for now, and then if we have the money, we'll come back up to uh, Goldie or or Miggy. All right, because I'm sure there are going to be other positions with less. Um, quality choices lower in the uh in the whole thing and speaking of which uh we're at second base and uh why don't you tell us who you got there well um we talked about san francisco and and arizona as our leading stacks um joe panic is up here he hit a home run yesterday i don't mind playing him again um i i really like ian kinsler against chin uh, Kinsler was hot, blazing hot at the end of last year. He's going to hit at the top of a Tiger order who's going to score a lot of runs this year, and I could see them scoring a lot of runs tonight. Um, I like Logan Forsythe down at 3,500 against Sanchez. Um, Sanchez is one of the pitchers that, you know, 
could be great tonight or he could be awful. And, uh, you know, as I'm moving down, there's not really much else that I like as far as value. Um, Ryan Goins is down at 2,500, but he's going to hit at the bottom of the lineup. So I think uh, those are the few guys that I like. Um, yeah, I can't see anybody else. Maybe Chase Utley again, but, you know, James Shield is pretty tough, and Utley's price went up $500 overnight after his 19-point performance last night. All right, so um, my thought is that we punt this position right now. Um, I like the idea that you mentioned of Kinsler, but if we go Kinsler, then I want to go Cabrera. Aren't they on the same team? I hope I just didn't humiliate myself. Um, And the same thing, if we go with Posey, then I would want Panic. Um, I'm I'm also had Forsyth on my list. So uh, the only other guy that I was thinking of, he had a good game yesterday and a good price, but we're not going to pick him because we've got Johnny Cueto going as Scooter Jeanette. Uh, So why don't we go on to third base? We've got a few really good choices at second base we can come back to. Um, I'm going to throw out, um, you know, the guy that I kind of, uh, you know what? I'm not going to do it. Why don't you go? Third base is a tough position today. Um, The guys that I like aren't in the best spots. I mean, like, like we talked about with Miggy Cabrera, Josh Donaldson can hit anyone. So I like Josh Donaldson. Same with Nolan Arenado. Uh, he's familiar with Shelby Miller. We don't know which Shelby Miller we're going to get, if it's the Shelby Miller from the first quarter of the season last year or the bad Shelby Miller from the end of the season last year. But, you know, we call Arizona Coors South, um, great hitters ballpark. And, uh, you know, so I like either one of those top guys. I like Chris Bryant down at 4,300. And, um, I like Matt Duffy again. Matt Duffy had a good day at the plate yesterday for San Francisco, and uh, they're facing Jimmy Nelson in the hitter's ballpark in Milwaukee, so I like Matt Duffy as well. Yeah, I, again, I, I I feel like uh, moving on and for now, and, you know, because Arenado, what I like about him is he's a righty facing a righty, so I, I think that, um, you know, but his ISO difference is uh, pretty high, one of the highest on the whole uh, slate for third baseman. So I, I, I like that one. Um, so let's move over to shortstop. We've got to, the only other name I'll throw out there uh, is Corey Seager. Uh, he comes up very, very high on the stats that I'm looking at. He's a, a lefty against James Shields. Um, he's got good power, it seems like. Uh, so I'll, I'll throw Corey Seager into the mix. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I uh, I don't mind him uh, either. Um, the only thing that concerns me is San Diego is supposed to be a pitcher's ballpark. But as we saw yesterday, the Dodgers racked up 15 runs. So, um, again, they're, they're going to be one of the tops, well, probably top five stacks today. So, you know, again, I don't mind him in that position. But the good thing about Seager is he's also shortstop eligible. So if we I was decide just going to say, yeah, if we decide we can't find anybody at shortstop, he's also shortstop eligible. All right. So at shortstop, I saw Seager. 
my research also had Jean Segura as uh, someone to look at, and uh, really not a lot else jumped out at me. Uh, what 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 do you have? Yeah, the same. I like Gene Seguri just for the simple fact that he's hitting leadoff tonight um, for Arizona. Well, he did last night, so I imagine he will again tonight. That puts him in a prime spot to get on base and score some runs with uh, Goldschmidt and, and Beef Wellington behind him. Um, I like Brandon Crawford. Uh, again, Milwaukee's a, a hitter's ballpark. The roof's going to be closed. Uh, Jimmy Nelson isn't, you know, what we call an ace or number two guy. Um, the only problem is, is he's going to hit down probably sixth or seventh in the order. But then again, when you have guys like Buster Posey and Hunter Pence and Brandon Belt getting on in front of you, that's going to give you some, some RBI opportunities. Uh, another sneaky guy who I really don't like because he doesn't have great offense is Cattell Marte. But, uh, you know, since he hits at the top two of the order, you know, he, he's, he could be a sneaky play. Yeah, I, he, he comes up high in uh, the research as well. So we'll go over to the outfield, and I'm sure we'll be able to agree um, on some people there. Um, I'm just going to throw out names because we're getting to about 12 minutes left. David Peralta, Charlie Blackman, Corey Dickerson, Carlos Gonzalez, Denard Spann. Those are the guys really on the top Um are there any of those that you just say are a, pu- a plug-and-play? And if not, do you have plug in, any plug-and-play guys in the outfield that you just want in almost every lineup? Well, my guy that I really like tonight is Mark, uh, Nelson Cruz. He's facing a lefty, and he just absolutely annihilates left-handed pitching. He's familiar with Texas uh, Stadium as he played there before he went to Seattle. So he's a guy I really like. And then, as you mentioned, I, I like those guys uh, that you mentioned as well. I like Span because he's going to get a, on base. And he actually hit a home run yesterday, which, you know, he doesn't have a lot of power. But if he's displaying power this early in the season and hitting one in an order that's going to score a lot of runs, I really like him. Um, and I really love Carlos Gonzalez as well. Uh, he hit 27 home runs in the second half of the season last year. And I know he plays at Coors, but you don't play all of your, your games at Coors. So I really like Carlos Gonzalez and, and uh, Charlie Blackman as well. All right. So if I put in Carlos Gonzalez, Nolan Arenado, and Nelson Cruz, that leaves 3,800 left for second base shortstop and outfield. Um, do you like that, or do you want to go uh, – pull some of those guys out and maybe not go with a Colorado stack? No, um, I don't mind that. Uh, I think that's a a good uh, partially contrarian stack too, you know, because as we mentioned, San Francisco and Arizona are going to be the top stacks. Um, Let's see what we can plug in with those guys. All right. So second base panic is, let's do it uh, by team. Panic's 4,000. Um, let's see. Shortstop for the Giants is who? Uh, Brandon Crawford. Crawford is 4,000, so that's eight. That would leave us 3-4 in the outfield. Uh, 3-4. It's probably probably doable if we look down for value at the bottom. Um, 
Socrates Brito. Is is Brito? No, okay. For let's look by team. For San Francisco, I'm gonna get to that. Going down. All right. San Francisco's three outfielders are 4,400, 4,800, and Angel Angel Pagan at 3,800. So we could do it with panic and we could do a San Francisco stack. Let's look at the next team that we were looking at, which was Corey Seager at shortstop. Uh, I mean, Gene Segura, Sona, that's 3,700. Second base for Arizona is... Let's see. You know what I like, Todd? What? Go ahead. I like throwing Trevor, I like throwing Trevor Story in at shortstop again. He hit two home runs last night. I mean, you know, uh, he's only 3,500. It gives us the opportunity to load up at some other spots. Um, I missed him because he doesn't have the check mark, but he hit it in the two-hole last night, which gives you a top-of-the-order guy, and then it gives you, um, you know, the three three consecutive guys in the Colorado order. All right, that's done. Um, that leaves 39. Now, if we're going to do that, I – Boy, I would really like to get uh, Goldschmidt. Who do you like bet? Who do you like better, Nelson Cruz or Paul Goldschmidt? I like Goldschmidt a little more than Nelson Cruz. And so let's pop Cruz out. Let's replace Morrison with Goldschmidt because now we've got a game stack going. So second base between Arizona and Colorado. Who are well? Panic is San Francisco. Uh, DJ Lemahehu is 3,600. And I'm not seeing Arizona's Chris second. Owens, uh, he, he hit in the two-hole last night. Chris who? For Chris Owings. He's okay. for Arizona. He, he, hit in the, he hit in the two-hole last night. Um, but he started in, in center field last night as well. So, um, you know, I'm not sure. I haven't seen their lineup yet to see if he's even playing. Yeah, but for 3300 I kind of like that idea. Yeah, I don't mind it. I mean, we didn't really right have now, a second baseman we loved. Right, and that right was, now I have right now I have Verlander, Cueto, Beef Wellington, Goldschmidt, Owings, Arenado, Story, Gonzalez with yep, two outfielders left. Two outfielders at 3800 each. Uh, David Peralta to me is a no-brainer. Then uh, I would I would actually put well wow you got Yasmani Tomas out there too, um, but Peralta is a left-handed hitter against a right-handed. Uh, I'm pretty sure Bettis is a right-handed pitcher. I'm gonna have to go see. Well, and Peralta's right behind Goldschmidt, correct? Yep, yep. So let's plug, plug in Peralta, and then we have 3,900 left. Um, Gerardo Parra is left-handed facing Miller, but we might be able to find a better outfielder. Let me go. Let me go. All right. I'll, I'll, let Let's, me throw out some names at you. Ben Zobrist with uh, Billy Burns, Kyle Schwarber, who you liked uh, earlier, yeah. Jason Hayward, Steve Souza, Delino DeShields, Matt Holliday, Melky Cabrera, Parra, uh, Stephen Piscotti, Adam Eaton, who came up kind of high on some of my things. And, and kind of sneaky down there is Jock Peterson. 
Yeah, and that's who, that's funny. That's just who I was looking at. But he's one of those guys that can go for five and strike out five times and kill your lineup too. But um, the two names that that stuck out to me when you were going down the list were Schwarber, um, uh, Gerardo Parra, and then I guess Jason Hayward a little bit. But I'm really leaning towards Schwarber or Parra. Both hit in the six hole. Um, Par is in a better hitter's park, probably. Let's, let's look at the weather. At, before, you know, we've got this whole game. Let's look at the weather there. I'm guessing dry with no wind. <laughs> dry, I, I see nothing. So uh, that's uh, right to left. 0.14 well, humidity, no precipitation. Um <laughs> And Parra started hot last night. He had three doubles. Uh, he was three for five with three doubles and a stolen base last night. Um, you know, like I said, Shelby Miller is, is a good pitcher. But are we going to see, like I said, the Shelby Miller that started off 6-0 and last year in the first quarter or the guy that struggled down the stretch? And I really like that Colorado lineup. I think that, uh, you know, Gerardo Parra, um, if – if it was in a vacuum, I might like Schwarber more because he could really ding. Uh, but we're already in for a penny. We might as well go for a pound, I'm thinking, with Colorado. Yeah. yeah. All right. So to our loyal listeners, we have three minutes left. That worked out well. And yeah. I'm going to read I off didn't... to you the lineup that uh, the first ever Mauler Todd from PA baseball lineup and hopefully it will do as well as what our early basketball lineup did and and do very well for us we've got justin verlander and johnny cueto as pitchers beef wellington castillo at catcher paul the power of goldschmidt chris owings mills nolan arenado there's no joke there uh trevor he writes the story David Peralta, Carlos Gonzalez, and Geraldo Parra. Mauler, I think we're ready. Yeah, and I, I, it's funny how that came together uh, as a game stack without us even, you know, really focusing on that that idea. So that's pretty cool, and you know, hopefully they, uh, hopefully they score, you know, about twenty runs, you know, an eleven nine or 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 eleven ten game. That would be outstanding. It really would. And uh, anytime we win money, we're happy. Um, bigger being better is um, is good. But um, let's see. Cueto, they don't like the umpire as much. Three strong value plays. Waka, Casimir, Verlander. Verlander, we had a touch behind. All right. Well, I think we did pretty good. Um, thank you, Mauler. Always a pleasure. It was great getting some of your thoughts. And hopefully we'll take it down. Uh, let's see. What song do I want to take us out with? Um, hopefully this song. All right, Mauler. Uh, take care. Thank you. Uh, great show today. Uh, I always appreciate you having me on. and uh, I, I can't be more excited for opening night for my Tigers, so. Um, I'm rooting for the Tigers, but I'll take 
I'll root for Arizona and Colorado a little more. <laughs> All right. Take care, Mauler. You too.